collusion. Nothing personal. Word of the day, Friday, February 26th, 1968. The word of the day is collusion. Collusion was introduced to me when I got into baseball. It's a it's a word that means I, I actually before I was in baseball, I understood what collusion was, but only because I was a fan of baseball. And I remember the owners in baseball had to pay a collusion settlement because they all got together in a secret room. They sat around with Robin Williams reading poetry and decided that they would only pay players a certain amount and that they would communicate what offers were so no players would get overpaid. And then there was a grievance and then there was a settlement. And the collusion settlement, little known fact here, Normie, the collusion settlement is what actually led to expansion in Major League Baseball because the owners wanted to get expansion fees to help pay the collusion bill that was paid to the union. I didn't really understand collusion and the personal toll it took until I got to Miami in 2002, was introduced to Andre Dawson. And Andre Dawson, an MVP winner, player for the Cubs, player for the Expos. We met and he started talking to me about what collusion was and how it impacted him and how no one offered him a contract coming off a great year. And he ended up signing. This is a good story, actually. And you can look this up, but Andre told me this directly and and why he did it. He wanted to play so badly during the time of collusion that he actually said, I will play for you, the Cubs, and I will sign a contract right now. And I'm going to leave the amount blank. I just want to play baseball. Here's the signed contract. Here's our guaranteed language. You put in the amount. So the Cubs put an amount. He went on to play. I think the Cubs finished last place, but he won an MVP. Andre never won a ring until he was with us as a special assistant to the president. And what an honor to have watched hundreds of games with him, literally over 16 seasons. So the the problem that Andre had with collusion is that what he felt was going on is that they were stopping him from playing. And I said, and we debated this, owners weren't necessarily stopping you from playing. They were stopping you, capital Y, all players, from believing that you were in charge of the amount of money you were going to get paid for doing your job. We then went on to talk about the reality that if you feel as though you're not being compensated properly, you have the right to switch jobs. You can switch cities. You can switch careers, but baseball players cannot, was his story. And I understood his point. I really did. Because when you're a baseball player, you can't just, you're the property. What a horrible word to use. You're the property of a team. You can't just say, oh, you don't want to pay me enough. I'm going to go to another team. You could leave MLB and go to another league, except those leagues don't pay anything nearly close to what MLB pays. So when I got into baseball, collusion was fresh in the minds of the commissioner And he was always very careful. During owner's meetings, Bud would say, I'm not allowed to say this. I've got my lawyer here. His lawyer was Tom Ostertag. Tom, can I say to the owners, don't be stupid? Can I say to the owners, don't lose money? I can't talk about a specific player, but can I talk about outfielders? So Bud would tiptoe the line during meetings because he did not want to have another collusion situation. During the course of my career, agents would talk to me about collusion. They would get the feeling that there was collusion going on and they defined collusion incorrectly. 
they defined it when their client was getting similar offers from more than one team. And I would talk to the agent, I would say, here's the problem. It's not collusion, it's called math. So once analytics really took hold, the difference in how teams valued players diminished. Therefore, the offers to these players and the difference in the offers diminished. Remember, back in the day, when A-Rod signed his $252 million deal with Texas, the next highest bidder was Atlanta at around 180. So Texas was bidding against itself. They so badly wanted to bring in a star player, bring in A-Rod, it would bring him a bunch of World Series. I don't think they even made it to the World Series with A-Rod. I'm not even sure they made the playoffs with A-Rod, but I'm not sure before they had to trade A-Rod. And I can't remember where he got traded. I want to say he got traded to the Yankees. But when there's no analytics and no collusion at all, you get into a point where there's a huge difference in teams and what they're offering. But now go down the salary scale. When you've got a middle of the road player and he's about a $4 million player or what today would be an $8 million player and you've got deals at seven and a half, eight, eight and a quarter, seven and three quarters, they're all in that general bandwidth. That's not collusion. The way we got around collusion I'm not sure that we've ever spoken about this, Coca. There was the labor relations department within Major League Baseball. For those of you who think I'm not staying with nothing personal, here comes this story. There's a labor relations department within Major League Baseball. And what we did is every time we were going to make an offer to a free agent, we were told, call the LRD, tell them what offer you are making. It's not collusion because we're not going to tell you what any other team is doing but we're going to be the clearinghouse. So we're going to know what's happening. And so the LRD would say, ooh, that's a bit of an overpay. Wink, wink. That means there's no one close to you. Well, that's that's a good offer. All right. I got to tell my owner we're not going to get him because we're not the highest offer. So it's a lot of talking heads speaking in tongue. It's a lot of trying to read between the lines when you're speaking to the LRD because if those calls were ever recorded or if they were ever deposed, if there were ever a grievance, they had to have the ability to hide behind the legal language of the collective bargaining agreement, which doesn't allow for collusion, but which does allow for labor relations department involvement. But believe me, their involvement was enough that teams would know. And if you were still gonna sign a player for more than what the LRD wanted you to sign that player for, you'd get the call. David? Yes, bud, how are you? That is an outrageous deal you're offering this player. But we, we got we want him on the team and we think it's fair. He's got four other teams that he's bullshit. He doesn't have four other offers. I don't care if anyone's listening to this and he'd go crazy. And then I'd have to go to the owner and say, hey, listen, we, we can lower the offer. There's no there's nobody bidding against us. And then I was told, no, we got to get the player. Let's get the player. All right, we're getting the player. We're paying it. And then we can prove to the union there's no collusion because there's so many teams still overpaying. So collusion is a thing. And the reason that collusion is a thing, the reason that collusion is a thing is that owners today are still scared of it. Players today still believe it's happening. So the reason it's the word of the day is not baseball related, by the way. The reason it's the word of the day is what happened in football yesterday. You don't hear much about collusion in football, I guess, because I'm a baseball guy. 
Maurice Smith is the head of the players union in the NFL. Maurice Smith called agents yesterday or sent an email or sent a carrier pigeon, whatever he did to communicate to football agents. And he said to them, here's what we're going to do this offseason. Everyone gather around the campfire, pay attention. We are going to collude. He used the word. Of course, players can't collude. Employees can't collude. It's management who colludes. But Dean Maurice Smith said, we're going to collude because we've got a cap issue in the NFL. I want to remind you of the business issue that's happening in the National Football League that will lead into the next couple of stories that we're going to cover today. The cap was artificially inflated in 2020 at $175 million. The cap is based on revenues. There's a formula. NFL revenues are down. No fans in the stands, down. They're going to be down again in 2021. So when they calculate the cap, the cap for 2021 was pegged at 180, but that's artificially inflated again. And what the NFL players and the NFL management agreed to is they would artificially hold up the cap, which is a violation of the collective bargaining agreement. The reason why you don't ever want to artificially hold up a cap is that means you've got to spend an amount of money that you are not making in revenue. When cap is based on actual revenue, you are protected. When cap is based on wishful thinking revenue, you have a chance to get screwed. So the NFL players did not want the cap to have a precipitous drop all in one season. So what the NFL is doing is they're spreading the losses, if you will. They're spreading the hit to the cap over a number of years. Makes sense. I like it. You always want to flatten the curve. Okay. But Marie Smith is now telling agents, let's communicate. Let's collude. Find out what your players are being offered. We're going to tell every other player and every other player agent what every other player is being offered by every other team. And we want to make sure that teams are being honest about their cap, about their cap space, and about using their cap space. And it got me thinking. If the players are colluding, does that have a deleterious impact on the game? Because we've learned in baseball when owners collude, it's bad. It holds down salaries. Can't have that. When players collude, what's the result of it? I'm, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to sort of take a breath here. What do you think is the result of player collusion, Maurice? Because your goal is to get salaries higher. But in the NFL, cap is tagged with revenue. So you already negotiated an artificial cap. You already know the teams spend to the cap and have to spend above a floor. So wait, oh, I know what he was doing. I got it. I got it, Coca. All right, we can move on to the next topic. I got it. Marie Smith thinks that owners are going to collude against players and not spend to the cap. And if the players collude, they can keep track of which teams are doing it. God, that makes no sense. We'll all know which teams are not spending to the cap because we'll know which teams are spending what on which players. Nope, that's not it, Coca. I'm going to rack my brain this weekend trying to figure out why Marie Smith believes 
that players should collude. I think players should absolutely communicate. I have no problem with that. I think owners should be able to communicate too. There's something called a free market. People who believe in collusion believe that when people collude, that is by definition the absence of a free market. What you are not taking into account in sports is that all you need is one. That's the magic number. Agents would say that to me all the time. You don't want to sign our guy. All we need is one team, one owner, one owner who thinks that he can't live without my guy and I'm going to get the number I want. There's always one out of 32 or one out of 30, even in the time of collusion. Now you're going to argue and say, David, in baseball collusion, not one owner didn't toe the line of collusion. Okay, that can be your story if you want to stick to it. Word of the day is collusion. Good luck, everybody. So here's a player who we've talked about so much on Nothing Personal, but something happened yesterday, and obviously you're paying attention because you want to know about it. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's when you go on Twitter and follow me at David P. Samson. Ask a question, and we'll do it on the show. Uh, We did a clubhouse every Thursday night. We're going to do clubhouse for those of you who could get in. If you can't get in, find a way in. But we spent about an hour answering questions, talking about how to make a budget. And then it got into some baseball questions, some investment questions. It was a fun hour. We're going to do that again. I engage with you on Twitter as much as I can, and I love doing it. You get into Instagram as well. You ask me questions. We'll have a mailbag episode dropping. I know there's a lot of information. Too much. A mailbag episode's dropping on Saturday. Today is Thursday. But the So You Want to Talk to Samson question today, how would you have handled a one-on-one meeting with Deshaun Watson? I like where your head's at. I really do. Hello? Hello? Are we on Zoom? Can you see? Can, can, can you? Can you? Hello? Can you see me, Deshaun? Deshaun, it's me. It's da- Hello? It's David. No, no, not David Sampson, that guy from Nothing Personal. No, it's David Cully, your new coach. How are you, Deshaun? Hey, I'm all right, David. I, can you, I can't see you. The, the phone's pointed at your forehead. I can't see you. Down. All right. How are you, David? Good, Deshaun. Hey, listen, I've been trying to reach you since I got this job. I mean, I, do I have your right number? Is it is it 555-1212? Oh, no, no, that's, that's a phone I don't look at. It's actually 525-2121. Oh, God, we had it backwards. So how have you been, Deshaun? Well, I got to tell you, David, I'm not that great. Well, why aren't you that? What happened? Why aren't you great, Deshaun? Well, listen, I really thought I knew this organization. I really did. And I was so pleased with the direction we were going. And now I'm not. Something has changed. In the past few years, something's changed. Um, Deshaun, hold on one second. I'm just reviewing your contract. Did you sign an extension in September of 2020 for $156 million that runs through 2025? Well, I did, David, but that was all the way back in September. So much has changed since September. Wait, of what year? 20. You said 19. No, 20. Wait, Deshaun, you signed it in 2020 and you're saying things have changed since then? Oh, they traded DeAndre Hopkins, your guy. No, no, David, that was before that. Well, then what exactly has changed since you signed your contract until today? 
other than the fact that there's no more interim head coach and I'm now your head coach. By the way, I'm so excited to be a head coach. It's my first time. I'm 65 years old. I'm a first-time head coach living the dream. Hey, coach, this is not about you. I was promised involvement in the process, and I was not involved in your hiring. Uh, I'm sorry, Deshaun. What do you mean by that? Well, I wanted to be involved in the GM hiring and in the coach hiring, and I wasn't. But Deshaun, why would you be involved? You're not the owner of the team. You're not the president of the team. You're being paid $156 million, over 100 of which is guaranteed, and you're one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. Let's work together and win some damn games. Well, David, we only won four games last year. I don't give a crap about last year. You had crappy coaches. I've got a system that is guaranteed to improve your offense. David, I, I don't need improving on offense. We need a defense. We got to stop people from scoring. I'm on that, Deshaun. I've got it. Yeah, but I'm still not happy. I want to be traded. Deshaun, I got to tell you, we're not trading you. We're, I, I, I spoke to the owner during the interview process and after I got hired. And I was told explicitly before I took this job. Hold on one second, Deshaun. Honey, I know. Of course, I was going to take the job either way. I know I want to be a head coach my whole life. No, it doesn't matter if Deshaun's the quarterback. Hold on. Is he on, is he on mute? Deshaun, did you hear any of that? No. You know, okay. So all I was saying is that I was told explicitly that we're not trading you. So are you going to deal with that? David, I got to tell you, I'm not playing for the Texans. I am not taking another snap for the Texans. Deshaun, are you aware that if we trade you, we're going to lose $21 million in cap money as de a dead cap hit? And if you play for us, we're only paying you $15 million this year as part of that contract? Do you think we want to be second to Carson Wentz in dead cap money? Those crazy Eagles sent Wentz to the Colts out of nowhere after signing him to an extension, making them look like idiots, and took a $33 million cap hit. We're not doing that. But I'm not going to play. I'm not suiting up. Hold on. Let me get that on tape, Deshaun. Are you telling me that you're not going to come to minicamp? All right. You understand we can find you, right? And if you miss training camp, listen, if you miss, if you even set out one regular season game, that's 620 grand, 620 grand. I know that's not a lot of hundred million. David, all right, here's how we're going to do this. I'm not going to play for you. I think you're a good coach. I'm super proud that you have this opportunity, but you're not the coach I wanted. I wanted that guy from Kansas City, Eric Bieniemy. You know him. He should have, he wasn't even interviewed. I was told he'd be interviewed. He wasn't even interviewed. But, but Deshaun, are you going to give me one shot to show you that I can improve the defense? No, I'm not going to play. I'm not playing. All right, Deshaun, can we agree to talk again? Tell me that number again. Oh, what is it, Deshaun? David, I'll give you the number one more time. 555-1212. Five, 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 one, two, one, two. Good luck. That's what happened. Do you know how I would have handled it? I wouldn't have made the call. Deshaun Watson thinks he's running the show. Not happening. The Texans are running the show. And this is not about management. This is not about players. This is about the straight facts of life. Just call up Lisa Welshall. Call up Nancy McKeon. Kim Fields. I can't give you any more. Mindy Cohn. I think I got them all, Coca. Charlotte Ray. Oh, my God. How about that for memory? Before the show started today, Coco was accusing me of having no memory, saying that I would have no recollection that Carson Wentz w went to the Colts, saying that I wouldn't remember what his dead cap hit was. And he knew when we talked about the rundown that during this segment, somehow my brain was going to go to Carson Wentz. So before the show, he reminded me where Carson Wentz is. But was he aware that my memory is so sharp 
that I could just name all the characters in the TV show, The Facts of Life? That's hard to believe. By the way, it's Friday. Coca has not been on the show the entire time. Coca, Coca, I literally can't hear you. You're not there. All right, whatever, Coca. So the reason why I would not have made the call is that there's no way I'm trading Deshaun Watson, and I'm not going to basically give in to a temper tantrum. People change their behavior when they don't get the desired results. Why do you not go get your kid when you're trying to get your kid to sleep through the night and your kid is screaming? Because you can't teach your kid that all he or she has to do is cry and you're going to rescue him or her from the crib. You let them cry and they cry themselves back to sleep or you turn the monitor off and before you know it, they're sleeping through the night. If you trade Deshaun Watson or you fire David Culley as an example because you didn't involve him in the coaching search, do you think that you are creating a monster that you will lose control of and will want to take over the entire operation of the team? I'm just asking for a friend. I'm asking for a friend. This is not about taking rights away from players. This is not about me saying I don't appreciate the skills of the players because I do. This is about how to run an organization. I would like you to go to your workplace today. If you're listening to this at work, then thank you. And I would like you to go to your boss and say, I've got an idea. I would like to be consulted before you hire anybody else. And if you don't hire someone who I approve of, here's another idea. I'm going to leave you. Do you know what your boss would say? Get the hell out of my office. Some players have their agents talk for them. Mark Rogers is the agent for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's making news because Russell Wilson had what I consider to be his agent, Mark Rogers, maybe a quote of the year. The quote was the following. Russell Wilson has communicated to the Seahawks that he wants to play in Seattle. But if a trade were to be considered, the only places Russell will play are in Dallas, New Orleans, Las Vegas, and Chicago. Come at me again. Just one more, one more shot. Give me something. Russell Wilson, the really the staple of the Seattle Seahawks, the Super Bowl winning quarterback, the Hall of Fame combination with Coach Pete Carroll has become disenchanted with Seattle. He went public that he wants to not get hit so many times. And then he said it again, which indicates that he has been hit too many times. Never claims he demanded a trade, but wants a bigger say in personnel. And when moves were being made and when plays were being developed, when he was not involved enough, he would storm out of meetings, have temper tantrums. What is going on? There's an expression in law. When the facts are in your favor, you argue the facts and ignore the law. When the law is in your favor, you ignore the facts and argue the law. When neither is in your favor, you settle. What exactly Russell Wilson is trying to do is an alternative argument. 
in law goes something like this. I was not at that location at that time. But if I were, I didn't commit that crime. Well, which is it? Were you there? You were not there. Do you want to play in Seattle or don't you? Because if you want to play in Seattle, why are you having your agent tell the Seahawks where you want to play? Is that because you think the Seahawks want to trade you? Do you think there's a scenario under which there is a trade for you, Russell Wilson, that makes sense? Mark Rogers, you're just carrying Russell Wilson's water. I get it. I get it. You're just trying to keep him happy. You don't want to be poached. I understand. But don't you think you got to tell Russell Wilson before you go to the Seahawks, before you communicate the four teams that he's willing to play for in the same breath that you say he wants to play in Seattle? Don't you need to tell your player, hey, listen, I don't like that message very much because it's going to go public because they're going to leak it because it makes you really not look like you're loyal to Seattle. And the Seattle fan base is one of the best fan bases in the entire country. And do we really want to do that? Do you want to look like that guy? To which Russell Wilson obviously replied, I am that guy. All right. R E A D. I wanted to let you know right now about Paramount Plus. You've probably seen the journey to Mount Paramount spots. Those are commercials featuring James Corden, Patrick Stewart, Jeff Probst. Speaking of Jeff Probst, you can watch Survivor on Paramount Plus and you can watch season 28 where you might see a familiar voice. But you better listen to the first 42 minutes of the season. You can go straight. No, sorry. <laughs> Relax, Coca. I want everyone to get Paramount Plus. I'm getting Paramount Plus. It's $9.99 a month. It starts March 4th. That's with no commercials and live sports like live NFL. Paramount Plus is live sports. It is breaking news. And it's a mountain of entertainment. Do you get it? The mountain, the Paramount Mountain. You can go straight from game day to movie night with Paramount Plus. Stream iconic movies like The Godfather, Indiana Jones, and Mission Impossible. And new episodes of critically acclaimed original series like Star Trek Picard, The Good Fight, and The Stand. And get this. It's where you can dive into live sports from us, CBS Sports. Yes, this is a CBS Sports podcast. Today is February 26th. CBS Sports has the NFL, March Madness, the Masters, and Champions League Soccer. Plus, stream hit shows from CBS, Nickelodeon, MTV, Bet, Smithsonian, Comedy Central, Live Sports, Breaking News, and a mountain of entertainment. Paramount Plus, streaming to a theater near you on March 4th. We'll be right back to review the Golden Globes predictions, which I'm going to give you, and then a prediction of what happened in yesterday's Pelicans game. And then we're going to talk about several other topics that are of note, including what's going on in Utah. We will be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics 
at plus 425 right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Today is February 26th. We watch a movie every day. This is a good time of year. It's awards. I woke up at 2.30 this morning, Coca. I already got my movie in for the day because the day starts at 12.01. I guess they start at 12 and end at 11.59. So I already got a movie in. Today may be a double. I'm not reviewing a movie today. Instead, I want to go through the Golden Globe predictions. If you're in a pool, I bet you there's markets for this. I bet you can bet this. This is not the nothing personal pick of the day. It's sort of a bonus group of wait to sees. Let's start. Ready? I'm going to start at the top. Best drama, Nomadland. People are saying the trial of Chicago 7 is going to win. I've seen them all except the father, but I'm going Nomadland. Best comedy or musical. Remember, the Golden Globes have two categories, drama and then musical comedy. I'm not sure what musical comedy have to do with each other. In any case, the best musical or comedy picture is going to be Borat. Can you believe that? It really was the best of all the nominees and maybe the best comedy of the year. Maybe, but it's going to win the Golden Globe. Then they give out best actor, best actress in a drama. Best actress drama will be Frances McDormand for Nomadland. We've reviewed it on Nothing Personal. You should check it out. Here's where I have a problem with best actor drama. Chadwick Boseman is likely going to win, and I want you to win. I want my predictions to win. He was not the best actor of the year. It is because he has passed away, and how tragic as that is, I do not believe in posthumous awards for a body of work I believe in posthumous awards when it's the best work of the year where I thought like Heath Ledger in The Joker uh, in, in Dark Knight. But Chadwick Boseman is up for a movie called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and he was fine. Fine. Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal was even better. And I believe that he should win, but Chadwick Boseman's going to win. Best actress in a comedy or musical, go watch Borat. We reviewed it. Maria Baklava, she's going to win. She's from Bulgaria. She was funny as can be. And if you have to do a scene where you, where you generally have to do something bad to Rudy Giuliani, by definition, a Golden Globe is not enough payment. Actor is going to be your partner, Sasha Baron Cohen. Best actor in a comedy musical. I'm looking for Borat to do very well. They have a supporting actor and supporting actress in the movies, and it's for either drama or comedy. It's just one. There's a movie called Judas and the Black Messiah, which we did review. The actor in that who played Fred Hampton was played by Daniel Kaluuya. You may recognize him from Get Out. I believe he will win and should win Best Supporting Actor. 
Supporting Actress is a movie that is not going to win any other awards, I'm afraid, but a movie that we also reviewed that is phenomenal and you should watch on Netflix called Mank. Amanda Seyfried from Mamma Mia and from various other candy corn movies happens to be a really good actress. I'm blanking on all the other movies I've seen her in, but I've loved her in all these movies. I can't believe I'm blanking. In any case, oh, she was in uh, with Justin Timberlake where they have time on their on their arm and you pay for things with minutes of your life and when it goes to zero, you're dead. Anyway, she's going to win for Mank, supporting actress. Okay, TV. Sort of cool that uh, they do movies and TV. And I've watched a lot of series this year. And so I'm in pretty good position to tell you who's going to win and why. Best drama is going to be The Crown. Haven't seen it, but it's going to win. <laughs> Limited series movie is going to be Queen's Gambit. If you have not seen it, watch Queen's Gambit. And the star of Queen's Gambit is Anna Taylor-Joy, who was in Emma and really good in Emma, but she was the star of Queen's Gambit. She's going to win an award as well tomorrow. Best actress in a limited series. Okay, best comedy. I think it's time. I do. It's the final year that it could ever win a Golden Globe. It's never won a Golden Globe. It's swept through the Emmys. Look for Schitt's Creek to do well. Look for Schitt's Creek to win actress for Catherine O'Hara, supporting actor for Dan Levy, and best comedy TV series. Then best director, that's for a movie. I don't know why I put that last in my predictions. That would be under drama. It's going to be a sweep for Nomadland. It's a movie directed by Chloe Zhao, and her direction was historic. The movie is important. Nomadland comes out as a big winner of the Golden Globes. We are heading into Oscar season. When Oscar season nominations are coming out, and then as we get closer to the awards, I, I have it in my phone. I want to say that Oscar nominations are March 15th or March 25th, and then the award show, I think, is April 25th. Either way, you will be staying tuned somewhere, right, to nothing personal. Monday, March 15th are the Oscar nominations Monday morning. It's, it's a great time of year. I love it. Go watch a movie. Have fun after your 45 minutes with nothing personal, and you make one text to tell a friend to subscribe. Okay, Coco. God, are we hot? Shane contacted me on via DM. I want to read a DM to you. I have to put my glasses on to read it. Are DMs private, Coca, or can I read it? Is that just wrong? I'm going to find it because I highlighted it. Good morning, David. I don't want any credit for the heater you are on for your pick of the day. All I'm saying is since the comparison to Matthew McConaughey, you have been on fire and the betting listeners no longer fade David Sampson. Well, I don't recall being compared to Matthew McConaughey. I have no idea why he would have compared me to Matthew McConaughey. But what I do know is that we are on a bender. Why is it called a bender? A bender, I think, is when you drink a lot or do a lot of drugs. I'm not sure that's heater. Sorry. Sorry, Shane. We're on a heater. That's what baseball players call cigarettes. Hey, you want a heater? Hey, I'm going to go have a heater. We had a pitcher named Tadeki Arabu who smoked heaters while he pitched. Literally. They were still being lit in the, in the, they were still lit in the back of the clubhouse. And he'd go out and pitch, come in after the half inning and continue with the lit heater. He couldn't fly either. So he'd have a heater. Then he'd get medicine. He'd get on the plane, sleep, and then land, we'd wake him and have a heater ready for him. 
I don't know why heater is the word, but I guess we're on a heater. We had the Pelicans getting nine points from the Bucks. Were you nervous? I wasn't. It was too many. I told you that. The Bucks only won by four. That's a winner. We are 26 and 18. This is a season high eight games over. There's something else going on in the NBA right now. Brad Stevens with the Celtics, his job is in jeopardy because the Celtics stink. They're not playing well. They've been passed by by the Nets, by the Sixers, frankly, by the Heat. Even the Knicks may even be a better team than the Celtics. But the Celtics players love playing for Brad Stevens. They do. By the way, take a look at a Brad Stevens photo and then take a a picture of uh, Pete, Mayor Pete, whose last name I always pronounce wrong. Buttigieg may be his name. They are doppelgangers. Try saying Buttigieg and doppelgangers together five times quickly. Doppelgangers, Buttigieg. I can't even do it one time. Anyway, the Celtics are playing the Pacers tonight. We're trying to get to nine over this weekend. They're only favored by three. I think that they, the players, when they know their coach is on the hot seat, all of a sudden they get to a different gear. I like that line. I like the team. Celtics by three over the Pacers. So in the NBA, the best team is the Utah Jazz. And uh, they're the best by a lot, as a matter of fact. Something happened yesterday that very much caught my attention and very much is uh, important to talk about as we talked through what the show would be today. There was a player in 2015 named Elijah Millsap. Elijah Millsap's older brother is Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap's been in the league for like 15 years. He played for Utah for a bunch of years. I think he may play for uh, the Nuggets right now. He's an accomplished major leaguer. I had never heard of Elijah Millsap. He came out publicly via Twitter or Clubhouse or something where he accused, he accused on Twitter, the EVP of basketball operations of the Utah Jazz of being a bigot and of saying a bigoted statement to Elijah. What's interesting about it is that it happened back in 2015. It's only coming out now. And what Elijah is saying is that not just Lindsay, who is the EVP, and I don't really like naming names because it, you know, in this day of cancel culture, he could end up being fired tomorrow, but he won't be. And I want to explain why. There was a meeting that takes place at the end of every season with every player. The Marlins do it too. Every team does it in every sport. You have what's called an exit interview. An exit interview is where you talk to the player, you talk about the past season, then you talk about what your expectations are for the next season, and then you talk about what the offseason needs to look like and what work needs to be done. So you basically set your plan. You do not have exit meetings with players you know are not going to be on your team the following year. Just as a quick side note, if you're a player out there and you don't have an exit meeting at the end of a year with your team, guess what that means? Nothing good. We would go through every player who we knew was going to be on the team and meet with them and go through their offseason condition, et cetera. So Elijah Millsap has this meeting. Quinn Snyder, the coach, is there. Someone else in basketball operations is there. And apparently, Lindsay said to Elijah Millsap that something along the lines, you better cut it out or I'm going to send your black ass back to Louisiana. That is a obvious bigoted statement, a prejudiced statement, an unacceptable statement, an outrageous statement to make. 
a it's it just shows ignorance it shows racism it shows intolerance it shows the 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 thought that maybe you think you're funny but you're not i mean just it's it's bad these meetings that take place are recorded they're memorialized we write down what happens during the meeting what was told to the player what's expected of the player the utah jazz have detailed notes of that meeting the coach when asked to remember that meeting of four years ago, didn't recall anything at all being said like that. He actually specifically said he can't fathom that Lindsay would say something like that. Lindsay denied making that statement. He put categorically in his statement. He prepared that with his PR people and with the new owners of the Jazz. Nice that they're inheriting this after paying 1.6 billion to buy the team just a short while ago. Everything's going great in Utah and now they've got this cloud and they've got to deal with it. And here's what you do when you are a team that has a problem. You ask your league to investigate independently and you publicly say you're going to cooperate. Do you recognize that from what the Washington football skins did? Except they held their own investigation into their culture and then the NFL took it away and started doing it independently. And then Dan Snyder said, that's the smart thing to do. Make sure it's independent. Then we can prove the fact that we are going to change and that we are changing. And I said to you, anything that's actually independent is not really independent because when leagues do an investigation that involves a team, they're always going to go to the team before they announce what the investigation found so they can frame and massage and figure out what they're going to do. Does any of this ring a bell? Sound familiar? That's what's happening here. You think Adam Silver and the NBA are going to do an investigation and then come out without contacting the owner of Utah and without contacting Lindsay and come out and say, yeah, we have proof that that was said. No, if they do have proof that that was said, then Lindsay will have a chance to resign five seconds before he's terminated. Ha ha, five seconds after he's terminated. Here's what Utah doesn't want right now. They don't want this distraction. And I am not downplaying bigotry. Do not misunderstand me. I'm intolerant toward it. What I am downplaying is the timing. I don't get it. Now, people at me and people talk to me and I'm very sensitive as a male, as a white male of privilege, that I don't understand what it is to come out when you've been sexually assaulted, when you've been verbally assaulted, when you have been shown and uh, examples of racism towards you, prejudice towards you, toward you, excuse me. I get that. And I understand that sometimes it takes time. Sometimes you need cover. Sometimes you need strength. I absolutely understand that. So I'm not saying it didn't happen to Elijah. I am not saying that there's a right time to bring it up. And I'm not saying there's a wrong time. What I am saying is that as Utah is the best team in the league, getting a lot of attention, it is not a good look for the Jazz or the NBA that this is the news as they head into the All-Star break. How does this end? It's gonna be very telling when the NBA does an investigation and finds that nothing like that was said and it becomes what it already is, a straight he said, she said. You know when you don't have a he said, she said, by the way, is when someone just admits to doing something, right? Malik Beasley, is a player for the T-Wolves. T-Wolves were in the show yesterday, but I don't remember why. He has been suspended 12 games by the NBA 
12 out of 72. Because he pled guilty to a felony count of threats of violence stemming from an incident at his house. There were people on his property, I guess. He came out with a gun and he brandished a weapon and said, I'm going to get you if you don't get off the property. Whatever he said, it doesn't matter. Then the police came. There were some drug issues at the house. Drug charges were brought against Malik Beasley, which would carry a significant amount of jail time. Malik Beasley said, I've got an idea. Can we cut a deal? When you cut a deal where you plead guilty to a felony, that means that you are risking real jail time. Malik Beasley, by pleading guilty, is going to get 120 days of home confinement, and he can do it during the offseason, which means he can still play, he can still travel, but once the season ends, he has to stay home for 120 days. There's some rules when you can leave to get groceries. It, it's, it's sort of like being on lockdown during a pandemic. So my wait to see is on this. Malik Beasley is going to come back from 12 games. The T-Wolves are going to continue on with their season. The T-Wolves were aware that Malik Beasley was going to plead guilty to this felony count of threat of violence. Absolutely. When we had players in legal trouble, we would understand exactly what their plan was. We would be helping them get lawyers. We would be working with their agents to make sure that they either got off or got the least possible punishment that would, that would make the player miss the least amount of time. All that's normal. The way to see, though, is not about Malik Beasley. It's about the Minnesota Timberwolves franchise. And what bothers me about this is this was supposed to be the wait to see yesterday. And as you may recall, we did not get to the wait to see when we did talk about the Timberwolves on the show of February 25th. And the conversation that we were talking about when I was supposed to do the wait to see, and I actually didn't, and I'm not, I, what was coming up? It was when Rick Carlisle, do you remember we talked about the National Basketball Coaches Association and how upset they were over the hiring of Chris Finch? because Chris Finch was the white guy and he got hired basically the same day as the coach got fired. Well, I was supposed to do a wait to see yesterday and I'm going to keep talking about the T-Wolves. The wait to see is the T-Wolves are going to get fined by the NBA for the hiring of Chris Finch. The Minnesota Timberwolves will get fined. And the reason they're going to get fined for violating the rules of fair interviewing and of a big breadth of interviewing candidates is that the NBA can least afford to have a team violate a rule like the Rooney rule or like the Selig rule. So they will make an example out of Minnesota and they will find them. You wait to see. When it comes to these hirings, when it comes to dealing with so many issues, when you can control something and you're a league, you control it. Sorry, Minnesota. It's just business. That's the end of another week. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.